Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Ward. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. I pray it encourages your heart with fresh hope. Get more of my teachings on Chaplet Change TV YouTube page or listen to 99.5 FM KKLA every Sunday at 3.30. God bless you. Good morning, good morning everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and we uh, receive you in in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody uh, blessed by the Lord this week? Anybody got blessed by the Lord? Praise God. Let's turn in our Bibles to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We do have a word uh, from the Lord uh, for you this morning. Uh, as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a couple special announcements to make. Uh, as Brian and Teresa was saying on the video, all month long we have a special fundraiser for our youth where we're going to sell my autobiographies uh, for that fundraiser. After service in the lobby, they're available, or in the courtyard, they're available. We're asking everybody part of the church to buy a book or buy two books and keep one in your car for somebody who may need Jesus. Use it as an evangelistic tool and you'll also be investing in our youth ministry. We're going to purchase a new curriculum for the teenagers as well as other investments. So you could participate with that uh, as well. And then as you've been hearing in the last couple of weeks, uh, we are in a major uh, renovation project of our church where we're going to be replacing all the exterior windows of the church. There's about 41, I believe, windows. And so we are praying for partners to help uh, make that project complete. And there's kind of two options whereby we're encouraging the church to get involved. Uh, you could either sponsor one window, which it costs approximately about uh, $500, or you could sponsor a half a window uh, for about two, for $250. So uh, the good thing is you don't have to give all of that until the end of September because it is about a month-long project. Uh, but we are going to, this week, we're going to be forwarding the down payment uh, for that project. The total project, I believe, is going to cost a little over $20,000. Uh, but we're going to forward the down payment, which is about $10,000 this week. So if anybody can partner and help to renovate the house of the Lord, uh, I would encourage you to do so. God is using this, uh, this temple right here to bring fresh hope to families. Someone shout amen. amen. So we're encouraged about that. We're excited about that. Even if you're watching online, uh, you could partner by giving at chapelchange.org. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I have been calling our church back to the word of God, uh, back to the Bible. One of the elements of revival is a rediscovering of the living word. Someone say word. So in that direction, this week, I am starting a new five-week Bible study in the middle of the week uh, where I'm going to be introducing the book of Psalms to the congregation. I'm excited about this study because the book of Psalms is a healing book. Uh, there's an anointing on uh, Psalms that heals our soul. And throughout the course of maybe the next year, I'll be teaching on portions of the entire Psalms, but I'm going to kick it off this week with a five-week introduction. Now, the Lord loves you enough to give you options. Someone say options. So you have three options to join us for the next five weeks. Uh, on Tuesday, we're going to be, I'll be teaching it at our Long Beach campus. On Wednesday, I'll be teaching it at our, our Carson campus. And then Thursday, I'll be teaching it right here at our Paramount campus. So you got options. I encourage those that are part of Paramount, come on Thursday night. But if you can't make Thursday night, there's other options. And you know God loves you when he gives you options. Amen? So I'm, I'm looking forward to all of you attending Jumping into the word of God. I'm believing that it's going to strengthen you, heal you, encourage you, and give you some strength and power to end this year strong. How many want to end this year strong? Yeah. 
right? We need to end this year strong to the glory of God because how you end one season will affect how you open up another season. And I want, God willing, next year, I want it to be the best year of your life. So we got to end it strong right now. Someone shout amen. All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. If you've been with us for the last couple weeks, whether in midweek or uh, in the weekends, you know I've been dissecting this passage of Scripture, and there is just so much in the Word of God. Like, you could hold up the Word of God, and it's like a diamond that has various um, just, just various sides to it, and that we get so much from the Word of God. So, let's read verses 16 through 18. It says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone shout freedom. Someone shout freedom like you believe in freedom. All right, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. Someone shout image. We may talk about image in the near future, but that's a powerful revelation in the scripture. Transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That points to the process of our transformation, that it's a process. It's a process, ever increasing. It's step by step by step. How many know there's levels in the kingdom of God? There's levels in your spiritual growth. There's levels in your experience of freedom. There's levels in your experience of freedom. And it points it out where he talks about ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Now, in this chapter, chapter 3, the Apostle Paul uh, begins to contrast the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. That's what he's doing in this chapter. He's comparing the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. And when you think of the word covenant, covenant speaks of God's agreement with mankind. When you study the Bible, you'll notice from different times and different uh, people that God has come down and he's made agreements with mankind. He said, he says, if you do this, this, and that, I will do this, this, and that in your life. That's a, that's a covenant. That's an agreement. Now, Moses introduced the old covenant to the people of Israel. Moses was the instrument, he was the person that God used to introduce the old covenant to the people of Israel. And let's, let's look how Moses introduced the old covenant. In fact, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 28, I'm putting it up on the screen, listen to how he introduced it. It says, Moses then took the blood of the animal, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So notice how Moses introduced the old covenant. He did it with the blood of animals and he spoke over the people. So Moses introduced the old covenant to the people of Israel. But Jesus introduced the new covenant to all those that are willing to repent and put their faith and trust in him. Now let's look how Jesus introduces the new covenant. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Jesus says, this is my blood. Did you catch that? This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that kind of sound similar to what Moses did? But the difference is Moses did it with the blood of animals. He said, this is the blood um, that, that is poured out for you. Jesus comes along and notice the difference. He says, this is my blood. 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So Jesus is the new Moses that has come to set the people free. Jesus is the new Moses. Moses was just a type of the Lord Jesus, and Pharaoh and Egypt was a type of the darkness and principalities that held God's people down. So just as God sent Moses to the world, uh, Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the new Moses that has come to introduce the new covenant, which is to set all mankind free. Someone shout amen. So Jesus ushers in this new covenant, and we live today in the new covenant. Someone say new covenant. Uh, We serve a covenant-making God. We serve a promise-keeping God. Has Has God ever fulfilled a promise in someone's life today? Has there anybody out there whom God has fulfilled a promise in your life? Now, what's fascinating, my brothers and sisters, is that the promises under the new covenant are better than the promises that were under the old covenant. The Bible teaches we have a better covenant because the old covenant was a type. Uh, Moses was a type of Jesus, and Jesus is the real thing. Someone shout amen. So that's why in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, the apostle writes, he says, "But but as it is, Christ obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates, get this, is better. Someone say better. Better. Is better since it's enacted on better. Someone say better. Better promises. So we live today with better promises. We have better promises uh, from God. And here... Going back to our foundational scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Apostle Paul begins to identify some of the benefits of the new covenant. Anyone like benefits? That's what Paul's doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. He's identifying some of the benefits that are available under the new covenant. And I know just by... uh, looking at life, that many people, we love benefits. We love earthly benefits. Someone shout amen. Even at work, some of us pick the job that we have, not because of the pay that it gives, but more so because of the benefits it gives. We love benefits. We fight for benefits in this world. That's why there's unions, because they fight for benefits. And how many of you know that Christians in the kingdom of God have spiritual benefits that are supposed to be affecting our life? Someone shout amen. The sad thing is, my brothers and sisters, that many Christians are not walking in their benefits. Even though we have better benefits, many Christians are not walking in their benefits. And it it reminds me of the story that I once shared with you about the poor man in England who saved up all his money to buy a steamship ticket to sail to America because he wanted to experience the American dream. So he spent all the money that he had on a a, a boat ticket and he went into the boat and in his mind he said, man, I don't have no more money. I don't have no money for a room. I don't have no money for food. I don't have no money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my luggage and I'm going to go down to the belly of the boat and I'm going to stay in the belly of the boat until we reach the destination. And so that's what that man did. He went down to the belly of the boat. He sat down there and he brought out a a brick of cheese that he began to eat every single day. Uh, And he stayed down there until the ship reached its destination in the United States. And then all of a sudden, one of the ushers came down to the belly of the boat and found that man eating his cheese. And he said, Mr., what are you doing down here? Mr., why did you stay down here for the entire voyage? And you know what that old man said? He said, son, I didn't have enough money for food. I didn't have enough money for the room. All I had was enough money for the ticket. And that usher looked at that old man and said, sir, I'm sorry to let you know, but all the benefits came with that one ticket. 
The room came with the ticket. The food came with the ticket. There was even some dancing that came involved uh, with that ticket. But because of that man didn't take advantage of his benefits, he stayed in the belly of the boat all the voyage to the United States. And I'm here to say that I'm, uh, uh, the reality is there are going to be some of us when we get to the throne of heaven or we get to the gates of heaven, uh, we're going to start complaining to God and said, God, you know, I'm grateful to be here, but man, I had such a terrible life. I'm grateful to be here, but man, God, I went through some bumps and bruises and I went through some pain and I, and I, I just barely made it up here. And I, I have a feeling that God is going to tell some of us, I don't know why I gave you benefits. I gave you benefits that you could use that are written in my word that are meant to empower you and bless you and to help you while you take your voyage to heaven. Someone shout amen. So today, my brothers and sisters, as we look at this scripture, one of the biggest benefits in the new covenant in the kingdom of God is what we refer to Christian freedom. Someone say Christian freedom. That's one of the biggest benefits that Paul identifies in this passage. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, he writes, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone shout freedom. Now the Bible talks a lot about this revelation of freedom. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said in John 8, 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Bible talks a lot about this revelation of freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For freedom that Christ has set us free. In Galatians 5.13, it says, for you were called to freedom. You have a calling upon your life for freedom. God has called every born-again believer to live and to walk and to abide in freedom. Freedom is a big deal in the kingdom of God. Freedom is part of the foundation of our Christian life. If you name the name of Jesus, but you're not walking in freedom, something is wrong. If you name the name of Jesus, but you're not walking in freedom, it makes God look bad. That's how big of a deal that freedom is. And so, as we look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What does this verse mean? What does Christian freedom mean in a broader sense? If I ask people in here, particular Christians that are in here, and I asked you if you are free, if you're experiencing freedom, nine out of ten of us would fastly raise up our hand. But we need to compare our personal freedom to what the Scripture says about freedom. And maybe one day I'll do an extensive uh, series on this revelation. But for now, I just want to get your feet wet. So you could understand the basics of our Christian freedom. When I think of freedom, and I begin to study this revelation of freedom, I've learned that Christian freedom is like a treasure box full of benefits. It's a treasure box full of benefits. So I can teach all day on the different aspects of Christian freedom. But this morning, let me point out just a couple of them for our edification. Number one, freedom is the removal of the veil. Freedom is the removal of the veil. The immediate meaning of verse 17 when it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, it means freedom or removal of the veil. Freedom from the veil. So as you remember, we've been studying this for a couple weeks. That apart from Jesus, there's a spiritual veil over everybody's eyes. That apart from salvation, there's a spiritual veil over our eyes that are blocking us from seeing Jesus. Are you following along? The veil is a blocker. 
The veil blocks us from seeing Jesus. The veil blocks us from discerning Jesus. The veil blocks us from trusting in Jesus. The veil blocks us from understanding Jesus. The Bible talks about the veil of ignorance and the veil of unbelief. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, the scripture says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's the veil right there. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That's why salvation is a supernatural act by the Holy Ghost. That's why you cannot force someone to be saved. You cannot force someone to give their lives to the Lord because there's a veil over their eyes. There's a veil over their mind. But the good news is the moment one repents from their sins and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit removes the veil. That's the good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 says, The veil is taken away in Christ. The veil is taken away in Christ. So when God removes the veil, we receive the freedom of salvation. When God removes the veil, we receive the freedom of God's truth. When God removes the veil, we receive the freedom of the gospel. This is why the freedom is a treasure box of God's benefit. So when we think about 2 Corinthians 3.17, Freedom is the removal of the veil. But secondly, freedom is access to God. Freedom is access to God. Now, to understand this, I got to remind you that in the old covenant, there was a big temple that was in the midst of the people. And the temple represented heaven and earth coming together. Whenever you've seen a temple in the Old Testament, in the Bible, uh, it represented where heaven and earth meet. And in that room or in a room that was in the temple was, was a throne room of God on the earth. In the middle of the temple, there was a room that was the throne room of God in the earth. And it was called the Holies of Holies. That's where God resided. That's where the presence of God resided. But there was a veil at the entrance of the room that blocked access into the presence of God. The veil limited access into the presence of God. Not just anybody could enter the presence of God in the old covenant. Are you following along? For example, in Exodus chapter 26... Verse 33, it says, and you shall hang the veil from the claps, and then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there, get this, behind the veil. Did you catch that phrase? Behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place. So get this, the veil was a blocker uh, from the presence of God. In Leviticus chapter 21, verse 23, it says, But he shall not go through the veil or, repro or approach the altar. He shall not go through the veil or approach the altar. So the veil blocked us from God. We didn't have access to God under the old covenant. In fact, the priest could only go behind the veil once a year, and it was so sensitive that they would tie a rope to the priest in case he messed up in the presence of God, because if he messed up, guess what happened? He died, and they had to pull him out. The presence of God is serious, my brothers and sisters. The presence of God is serious. Do you know who is amongst us? 
The King of kings and the Lord of lords is amongst us. And it is serious when we come into the house of the Lord. Now, if you're an unbeliever or you're far from Christ, you don't understand that. Uh, uh, you just come to the house of the Lord. But if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to understand. It is serious when you come to the house of the Lord. We are coming to meet the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And so we got to come with a humble heart. We got to come with a sanctified mind. We got to come on our knees before the presence of all Lord God Almighty. So in the old covenant, there was a veil that blocked us from the, from the access of God. But something happened on the night that Jesus died. Something miraculous happened the moment that Jesus died on the cross. And I want, I want you to see it in the scripture. Matthew 27 verse 50. Matthew 27 verse 50. Listen to what happened. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. That means he died. Are you following along? Then behold. Notice that word behold. Whenever you have the word behold in the scripture, it's telling you to stop. Think. Look. Behold, I want you to check out what happened. Jesus just died on the cross. Now look what happened. The Bible says the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom. I want you to notice what happened. That the moment that Jesus died, the veil ripped in half, which signifies our access into the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know how it was done, but the Bible points out that it was not ripped from the bottom to the top because if it was ripped from the bottom to the top, maybe man could have took some scissors. But the Bible says it was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying a miraculous miracle. And maybe an angel stood up on that veil. And maybe an angel said, it's time for man to be able to access God. It's time for God to open up himself to whosoever will call upon the mighty name of Jesus. And so he rips the veil. Now we have the promises that the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the mighty name of God shall be saved. Whosoever will turn unto the Lord, the veil will be removed. See, see, Christian freedom speaks of access into the presence of God. The death of Jesus gave us access. We have access to God's power. We have access to God's uh, 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 provision. We have access to God's presence. We have access to God's mercy. This is why in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, let us come boldly. Someone shout boldly. Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. The only reason why we can come boldly to the throne is because of what Jesus did. He ripped the veil. He removed the veil. And now we have access to God. We're connected. Someone say we're connected. And our access to God is freeing us from the, from the power of sin more and more. God is restoring us. God is healing us. And then I want us to think about freedom is deliverance from the power of sin. Freedom is the deliverance from the power of sin. I want us to think about this. In Romans chapter 6 verse 26. It says, but now. Someone say now. I love when God says now. Because he said, I'm about to do a new thing. Now. Not now, but right now. But now. You are free from the power of sin. And have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. So listen, Christian freedom is deliverance from the power of sin. That's what that teaches right now. But now you are free from the power of sin. So, so our access to God begins to give us power to overcome the sin that is in our life. 
We are being free from the power of sin by the power of the Holy Ghost. Our access to God. Our access to God has given us power to overcome the sin that is in our, in our life. Like, like, like when, I, when I shared last Thursday that when I come to the house of the Lord, because the presence of the Lord is amongst us, right? And, and when I come, from the, uh, come into the house of the Lord, oftentimes I leave energized. Oftentimes I leave energized. Oftentimes I leave like I could slap the devil in the face. Oftentimes I leave like I could just conquer the weak. Why? Because there's power in the presence of God to overcome my sin. And we receive that power more and more um, the more we access the presence of God. And God's grace is restoring to us the will to live in freedom. He's restoring to us the will to live in freedom. Before we were saved, our broken wills were utterly subject to the power of sin. And we chose sin at every turn. That's why before we were saved, we went to places we really didn't want to go. We did things we really didn't want to do. We drank things we really didn't want to drink. Why? Because we were being led by sin. But now we are choosing the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. We're choosing freedom. Someone shout freedom. So in the kingdom of God, my brothers and sisters, we have a new relation to sin. In the kingdom of God, we have a new relation to sin. And this is how Apostle Paul describes it in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Listen to how he describes our new relation. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. That's our identification with the cross. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer, get this, be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Listen, this is our new relation to sin as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are dead to sin. We are dead to sin. And guess what? A dead person doesn't respond. I said a dead person doesn't respond. When it comes to, uh, when, when sin comes knocking on our door, we have the freedom not to respond anymore. Are you following along? When lust comes knocking on our door, we are free not to respond anymore. When alcohol comes knocking on our door, we are free not to respond anymore. When, 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 when trouble comes knocking on our door, we are free not to respond anymore. When offense comes knocking on our door, we are free not to respond anymore. When anger comes knocking on our door, we are free not to respond anymore. We are dead to sin and alive to God. A dead person doesn't respond. Have you ever tried to get a dead person to respond? They don't respond. And that is a picture of us in the spiritual realm, that we are dead to sin and we are alive to God. In fact, Romans chapter 6, verse 14, in the New Living Translation says, Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So we have the freedom not to respond. Next time someone pushes your buttons to anger, you have the freedom not to respond. Next time someone uh, uh, pushes up on your life, you have the freedom not to respond. We have a new relation to sin. We are dead to sin and alive to God. Someone shout amen. Now lastly, what is this Christian freedom? Freedom is the power to radically love. Freedom is the power to radically love. Now, I want to point out that freedom is not just negative, but it's positive. Our Christian freedom is not just negative, but positive. We are, we are not just freed from sin, we are freed to live for God. 
We are not just freed from things, but we are freed for things. Do you see the difference between the negative and the positive? We're not just freed from something, but we're freed for something. We're freed to something. And the problem is that the devil gets Christians to spend the rest of their life wrestling with the negative aspect of freedom. Oh, I'm still wrestling with being freed from sin. I'm still wrestling with being freed from offense. Or I'm still wrestling to be freed from my emotions. That we never get to the positive side. Where we're free to live godly. We're free to live on purpose. We're free to live as husbands or wives or mothers. There, there's a positive side to this freedom that the enemy don't ever want us to get to. Because he wants us to spend our life wrestling with the negative side. Does this make sense to anybody? So freedom is the power to radically live. That we, we, we are free to live in ways that bring life and healing to ourselves, our family, our community. And this is the way Apostle Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. Listen to what he says. I'm going I'm to point something out. He says, you, my brothers and sisters... I love that about Apostle Paul. He always, he always starts off with love, right? That's a family term. How many know the kingdom of God is a family? When you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a part of the family of God. You're the royal family of God. Don't ever forget that. Your spiritual family identity should be more, much more stronger than your physical family identity. You are now in the royal family of God. And over and over again, the scripture reminds us of this, including Paul right here. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Someone shout free. free. Listen to what he says. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Listen to what it says. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. They were tripping in that church right there. That describes like hyenas and wolves right there. He had to, he had to, write, he had to remind them of their call. They were biting on one another. They were devouring on one another. That, 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 that looks scary right there. Show the first part of the verse again. I want to point out something. Go back to the first slide. Listen to what he says. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Someone say free. free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, get this, serve one another humbly in love. Listen, listen, that's the positive aspect of freedom. Listen, listen, I'm about, to, I'm about to give you some revelation. Listen, the call to freedom and the call to radically love are synonymous. The call to freedom, he says, you're called to free, now radically love. You're called to free, you're, you're free, but now you got to show that freedom by radically loving somebody. I want you to notice the call to freedom and the call to radically love are synonymous. They go hand in hand. You are not totally free until you learn how to radically love. You're not totally free until you learn how to radically love. You know why? Love is the highest expression of freedom in the kingdom of God. Love is the highest expression. Listen, there's levels to freedom. Some of y'all just came into the kingdom of God and you're in the lobby of the kingdom and you've been there for 10 years, but there's levels to this. There's levels to freedom and the highest expression of Christian freedom is the ability to radically love. Radical love is the chief expression of freedom. If you claim you're free, but you cannot radically love, then you're not experiencing the totality of freedom that God has for a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone shout amen. The call to freedom and the call to love are synonymous. You're not fully free until you're able to radically love. You know why? Loving someone says, the past does not imprison me no more. Loving someone says, the hurt does not imprison me no more.
Loving someone says the pain doesn't hold me back anymore. It is the highest expression of Christian freedom. I learned this the hard way about five years ago when I met the guy who killed my oldest brother, David. Um, His name is Donald. And some of you are around about six years ago when we flew Donald down here uh, to meet with my mother. In the course of those days that Donald was here, I took him uh, to dinner. I took him to dinner. I'm going to show you a picture of Donald and I, I think. Well, we don't have it. But I took him to dinner. And it was just me and him. And we were walking into the restaurant, and he was talking. I would say a couple words, and he was talking. I will say a couple words. And then I remember we sat down on the table, and he was right, right in front of me. Like, it was a small table, and his face is right here, and my face is right here. And he was just talking, 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 talking. And the crazy thing is... That for the first 30 minutes, I couldn't understand a thing he said. For the first 30 minutes, I could not even hear him. It was all a blur. All I seen was somebody's lips moving, and it was like static in my mind because my flesh, my flesh was screaming out to me, What are you doing? What are you doing? What? You, you didn't have to take them to dinner. What are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? You're sitting in front of the guy who killed your brother. And my flesh was screaming out at me that I couldn't hear him. It was all a blur. And my flesh was saying, what is going on? You didn't have to do that. You could have forgave him from a distance. You could have said, God bless you and go about your merry way. But now you're sitting in front of him and you're about to pay for his dinner? And then all of a sudden, my spirit, my spirit man, begin to scream louder than my flesh man. How many know sometimes we have a split personality? Hello, somebody. Come on, don't just leave me alone with that. But my spirit man begin to scream at me. And my spirit man begin to overshadow the flesh. And he begin to say, Brian, now, now you are free. Now you are free. Now you are free, Brian. Wow. Brian, you're living like Jesus now. You're loving like Jesus now. Brian, you're forgiven like Jesus now. You're finally free. And wow, that strengthened my spirit that, that, that I had a chance to love like Jesus. I, I had a chance to forgive like Jesus. I had, a, I had a chance to show mercy like Jesus. And by his grace, I was able to do it. And I, be, I was able to identify with the positive side of freedom. I'm free. I'm free to love like Jesus. I'm free to forgive like Jesus. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad I didn't allow my flesh to win the day. Because a couple months ago, Brother Donald, because he's a born-again believer, praise be to the Lord God Almighty. But a couple months ago, Brother Donald passed away in a car accident. And I would have never got that opportunity to, to demonstrate the highest expression of Christian freedom. The highest expression of Christian freedom. Listen, freedom, Christian freedom is demonstrating radical love. Loving like Jesus. Forgiving like Jesus. Having mercy like Jesus. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments, let's reflect upon what the Lord told us what was God trying to get across to us there's levels to freedom and so I sense that the Lord is asking everybody to take a step forward in your freedom a step forward in your freedom let's bow our heads let's reflect upon the word of the Lord Will everybody remain seated everybody in 
reverence to the Lord. Let's reflect upon the Lord's word this morning. Yes, Father God, you've spoken today, God. And God, we receive your word, Lord. And if this word spoke to one of you, if you want to begin this process of, of going to a higher level in love, raise your hands. I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this challenge, Lord, for this powerful example, Lord, to go to a higher level in love, God. This is very meaningful to you that we grow in these areas and seek these opportunities, God. So, Lord, when those times happen, Lord, let our spirit man take authority over our flesh, God, so that we could experience the highest level of love. We thank you, Father. I pray a blessing over your people. I thank you that you're going to be giving them the strength and the ability through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to grow and to become more like you. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Wow. Powerful word, amen. Powerful word. At this time, we're going to transition to our, this portion of our service, which is our tithes and offerings. I have a scripture coming out of Acts 20, 35. It reads, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I got some few announcements um, that I want to share. At Chapel of Change, we believe in equal sacrifice as far as equal giving. We make it easy to give. We give online, which uh, is easy. Many of you do, and we thank you for your faithfulness in this area. Also, you can give by text by the number on your screen. If you guys like old school mail, we still accept mail to the address on the screen. You can mail in your ties. Also, we have a debit machine in the back where... There, there's, a, there's a sister back there that will be able to facilitate if that's the way you would like to give your tithes and offerings. And as the ushers come forward, I got some announcements. I'm excited this week. We have an opportunity where, where we're going to start a midweek service, healing through the Psalms, healing your soul through the Psalms. I believe that the Lord is already speaking to us, even in our Sunday services, and starting to begin to prepare our hearts and minds just to receive this powerful five-week teaching that's going to be led by Pastor Brian. It's going to be throughout all our campuses during our midweeks here at, um, at um, Paramount, Carson, and Long Beach as well on the various days. This is an opportunity um, if you guys are leading a team or, or if you have people, you know, that you know, a family member, that, that you could walk them through this five-week series and have them start something and complete it. So if you guys have been coming to the church and you've been sitting in Sunday service, this is another level to try to, like, get to, to see something out from one week to five weeks. That, that's, like, that's kind of like a gauge that you're pressing in. That's a gauge that God has given you a, a Holy Spirit power to continue to grow. Also, uh, we are having baptisms today at our 12 o'clock service. If anyone's interested in baptisms, you don't have to wait. Amen. You don't have to wait. We're going to have Pastor Martin available in the back when uh, he's going to be doing a class during the service, which is beautiful because today is, what, over 100 degrees? 
So if the Lord is pointing on your heart and you didn't know what was happening, that could be an open, an open, op, open opportunity to take a dip, amen? And to, to get make a public decoration as well to God, right? Hey, sorry, Lord. Uh, also, we have our youth fundraiser that just started this last past Thursday, and it's going to be going through the entire month um, of September. There's more information at the back. I believe Brian has a table at, at the outside. He's going to be manning that table and to see how you could come and partner with that as well. Is there any Kingsmen in the house? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Spirit chick. Spirit chick. Spirit chick. Yes, uh, uh, next Saturday at 9 a.m. to 11 at our Long Beach campus, we're going to have a Kingsman gathering. So, ladies, encourage your husband to go. Uh, men, have you haven't, if you haven't experienced that, I recommend you going and being a part of that. We're going to have our very own Pastor Terry giving a word and Brother Jason Witten giving a powerful testimony of what he did in his life. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the ability to give, Lord. Because you gave to us first, God. We thank you, Lord, that you provide, God. We thank you that no matter what, Lord, you make a way for us, Lord, in the area of, of a provision, God. So, Lord, let us just return what is already yours, God, that you may be glorified, that you may just get honor and glory through the ties, Lord. Help your people, God, and help us give with a cheerful heart in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. word, right? Well, it is customary here at Chapel of Change that we, we send you off with a blessing. Never, ever leave the house of the Lord without your blessing. And what you're going to do is you're going to put your hands in a receiving posture. And I'm going to have our pastors come up. They're going to be up here to pray with you one-on-one. -on -one. Please put us to work. We want to pray for you. Okay? Uh, so, let me give the blessing in the name of the father who loves you oh so much and in the name of the son who died on that cross so that you can live and in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers us daily to love radically go today with the power the protection and the peace of God in Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you.